continuing our series that we started last week on Easter Sunday. But I want to start with something else. Even though I didn't get to watch it, Warriors fans, how are you feeling this morning? Ouch. Steady. Steady. So we're not going to talk basketball this morning, because that might be a sore spot for some of you. Um, I don't do a lot of sports stories or analogies, but if you are a fan or a follower of just about any team, then current failures are often blamed on things that have happened in the past or decisions that have been made. Whether it's bad luck or a curse or some other reason. There's all sorts of stories. One of the most famous streaks of misfortune, I won't talk about anything on the West Coast because for some of you that's too painful. I myself am a Cubs fan, so I, I finally had my redemption a few years ago. I was thinking of the Boston Red Sox. It's perhaps the most famous streak of misfortune. When in 1919, somebody made the decision, a man who shall not be named, to ship this guy off to the Yankees. Babe Ruth, the Bambino himself, one of the best players of all time. And for 86 years, Boston failed to win the World Series. And the fans blamed that single decision on that long streak, decade after decade, all because they got rid of this guy. I know, 86 years. They called it a curse. They even, there's even a book called The Curse of the Bambino. And many of those fans believed that they would never get past that mistake. They could never do it. And then in 2004, they finally did. The curse was finally broken. Sports is just one area of our life where we feel this way. Where things that are happening to us in the present, we often blame on a decision or a choice in the past. And we know that the past doesn't just weigh heavy on the sports world, it weighs heavy on most areas of our lives. It can actually affect much more important areas because after all, we do know no matter how much we're a fan of various things, in this case, it's still just a game. Life is far more than a game. And decisions made long ago can have consequences today. Many of us can point to perhaps one or two points in our lives where the things that we decided or the decision to turn left instead of right or to go this way instead of that way had a very important consequence in our life. Sometimes a good consequence and sometimes a not good consequence. And I'm sure that your mind can drift back easily. You don't need me to ask you any more questions. You know it far too well, especially for those bad choices, those things that we have trouble living down in our life. So let's take a moment to remember where we are today. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that right now. 
where the love of God was shown to reign supreme over all. It's seen most in the resurrection of Jesus. And because of his death and resurrection on the cross, past mistakes or miscues in your life do not have to control you today. Amen? Amen? I am so grateful for that. And I know many of you are as well. Because Jesus rules as the one true king, we can commit to live under his reign so that we might become more like him. And we said this last week, the hard part of that is it means we have to let go of control. And we don't like to do that. We want to remain in control. I want to have control over every aspect of my life. And if I am allowing Jesus to reign in my life, that means that I am not in control. I have to submit myself. Today, we grab hold of this wonderful truth as we lean into the reality that God's love really can reign over your past. I've said this before to those of you that have been here before, that we are more than the worst mistake we've ever made. You know as well as I do that it can be oh so hard to break free of our past. It can continue to exert a strong power over us. Even though we know that Jesus' resurrection destroyed all power in this world, because Jesus has all power, sometimes those things still have a hold of us. They have a way of just kind of hanging on. And this can end up hindering both our present and our future. So let's acknowledge this truth. Some previous choices do weigh on our heart. They weigh heavy on us because consequences remain that we can't undo. That's life. Unfortunately so. I wish it were different. I'm sure many of you do too. Sometimes we've just made choices or decisions that are simple, honest mistakes. And yet the collateral damage can still be there. And though we cannot change our past, even if we would love to, we can ensure that our past does not control who we are right now. And in some ways, some of the things that we are perhaps most resistant to think about or talk about can actually become sources of strength for us. Things that you have gone through and struggled through in your life can actually be ways that you connect to people in this day and in this age. It gives you a special ability to speak truth into other people's lives because you've been there. I know that that's true in my life as well. The Bible is full of stories of people with questionable pasts who then experienced a fresh start because of their interaction with Jesus. They found themselves in the truth of the living God, and God used them in ways that they could never have imagined before. The New Testament, over and over again, especially in a lot of Paul, the Apostle Paul's letters to the various churches and groups that he was a part of, speaks about the transformative power of Jesus' sacrifice and his triumphant resurrection, that if there is any power in the world, it's that power that has the power to change you forever. doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. Sometimes we slip up or we fall, but it has the power to keep on bringing you back. 
When we read about people who have placed their trust in Jesus, we see that suddenly, or perhaps slowly, they changed. They were different. Suddenly they were forgiven and made new. And perhaps it's the greatest news of all for us, that even those things that have caused us guilt and shame can be overcome by Jesus' love. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians 5. So if you have a Bible, you can either open up to that or you can pull it up on your phone. I'm just going to read a few verses from chapter 5 this morning. This is just one section where Paul talks about it. I'll read verse 17. Paul writes this, Therefore, it's always an indicator word, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Earlier verses in this chapter and in other places describe how God's amazing love was shown by offering Jesus' life in exchange to rescue ours. And then we come to this verse 17 and we see that word, therefore, and that, that should kind of get our little lights turned on that suddenly Paul is giving us an important truth here. That because of God's love, whoever is in Christ has become a new creation. Paul actually likes that phrase, in Christ. He uses it somewhere north of 200 times in his letters. And when Paul says, in Christ, he means that you are united to Christ. You are bound to him. And when you are bound to Christ, things change. When you are bound to the Holy One, all that is in us that is apart from that begins to be transformed. Now, some areas transform quickly. Some areas, not so much. Just like when I'm exercising. Certain parts change quickly. Other parts take a little bit longer. They take a little longer work. I'll stop there. In order to experience transformation, though, the old has to go. When God's love reigns over our past, we can say with certainty, just like the phrase says, out with the old, in with the new. Out with the old, in with the new. Because the love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. The love of God acts to remove all of the old sin and shame and guilt and mistakes and failures from our lives. If you want to see what real power is, that's real power. In other words, when God's love reigns in us, it overpowers the hold that everything that used to keep us stuck has on us. It overpowers the hold that all the old things used to have in our life. Now, not perfectly, because we are human and we continue to regularly trip up or slip up but just like a space in your home, you have to clean out the old to make room for the new. You have to take out the old or remove the old in order to make space for what God wants to do in and through you. Just like exercise or in cleaning your house, 
Some parts are easy, others take more work. Who's ever done any remodeling in your house or in some other thing? What's the most fun part? Demo day, day one. That's the, that's the part where you get to take out all your anger and frustration on those things that you just have been nagging for years. That wall that you didn't like, that cabinet, whatever it is, that rot that's been existing in your home. And so you pull out the tools, you grab the sledge, and you dig into demo day. And then you start to cart away all of that stuff and you realize, wow, there's a lot of work that still remains. You look at the old, maybe you see this in your house or various places where you've lived. You see surfaces, yes, that are dirty. Paint that is faded. Floorboards or floors that are chipped or cracked. Always There's always something. The water heater, all those problems. Yet the potential is there when you start a remodeling project. The day when a remodel begins, that demo day, everything that's old or broken or rotted, you work to remove to make way for building with new materials or repurposed, resourced materials. This is what putting your faith and trust in Christ does in you. It begins a remodel project that will go on your entire life. This is a project that you never get to take off of that honeydew list because it's ongoing. Maybe it's this area gets remodeled. Maybe it's this area. Maybe there are those areas of your life that are just going to take a very long time. When God enters into our lives, he doesn't overlook our past. Instead, he forgives it and he removes its power and grip on us. Instead, we come to Jesus and we confess our sins so that we can experience his radical forgiveness. And all that takes is to be truthful before God. You know as well as I do that it is hard to be truthful to anyone completely let alone God. It's as if we think we can trick God or just, if I don't say it, maybe he'll forget. He won't, he won't remember. That usually doesn't work. It's like taking that rotting carcass and putting it under your living room rug and just expecting that it's going to get better. No, it always gets worse and worse and worse. Yet when we confess we acknowledge the old sinful ways as just that, old and outdated. It's like removing that stuff in a remodel project. Those things that don't allow room for the new materials, the new growth. When we confess, we allow God to replace those old ways with his ways that are new and better and life-giving. Some of us, it might look like we, we move from lying without thinking about it to start speaking the truth, from being selfish to being selfless, from spreading gossip to offering encouragement, or from burning with anger to overflowing with joy. And maybe it looks similar or perhaps a little bit different for you. The Bible says it like this in Psalm 103, verse 12. There's even songs written about this verse. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I am so, so thankful for that verse 
that is a verse that if you need that regular reminder, write that verse down. Sometimes that's a good one to just tape up on the bathroom mirror. We do not have to live defeated and full of shame anymore because of this. And so if you have put your faith in Christ and you continue to walk as his disciple, you can be confident that you have been forgiven, that you are forgiven. You are a new creation and your past does not have to control you, even though it often does. How is this possible? It seems almost too good to be true. Let me read a few more verses in 2 Corinthians 5. Verses 18 through 20. This is what it says. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Yes, friends, this is all a gift from God, a gift of his grace, all from him. This means that getting past our past is something we cannot do on our own. If you want to get past your past, good luck. You need God to help you through. We cannot overcome our mistakes or make up for them by doing enough good things or having more willpower. The word says God has brought us back to himself. He has reconciled us to himself. This is when love truly begins to reign in us and in our past and we are made new. When I read those verses, it reminds me that, quite simply, God's love is for us, and God's love is through us. You see, God wants the entire world to be reconciled to himself. He does not want anyone to live a life weighed down. Those things that you walk around with, you know, like if you have a chain with a ball, you're just trying to walk around, or you've got heavy weights on your shoulders, Christ has not been resurrected from the dead for you to have to keep walking that way. He doesn't want you to live life weighed down by a sinful past or shackled by shame and guilt. What Jesus accomplished on the cross allowed God to extend his grace to us. We are to be ambassadors of the grace freely received. So I want you to think about your favorite things right now. now. I won't force anyone to participate. Because I know some of you don't like being put on the spot. Whiskers on kittens. I know, I was thinking of that same song. When you think of your favorite things, whether it's a movie, a food, maybe a person, maybe it's something else, maybe it's a sports team, I don't know. Why is it your favorite thing? I'm just hoping that a few of you are bold enough to say what one of your favorite things is, and then tell me why. 
Just like two sentences or three sentences. What's one of your favorite things and why? Weightlifting, because I like seeing Weightlifting, because you like seeing the growth, seeing the, growth, seeing the results. I know. It's easier to see in some areas and not as much in other areas. Yes. I know. Yes. E-bikes. E-bikes. <laughs> Why is it one of your favorite things? Yeah, because it's fun and you see things on these trails that you don't normally get to see. It's fun and you get to see things on trails that you wouldn't normally see. And it's exercise too. Right? It can be exercise too. It, yes, you, you get as much out of it as you want. That is true. Maybe one or two more. Traveling. Traveling? Yeah. Why is that one of your favorite things? You get to see different things. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how I, you see something on maybe online or on TV, and you're like, man, I would love to see that in person. A well-balanced meal. Well meal. Why is that one of your favorite things? <laughs> oh, that's your favorite. Okay. All right. Why is that one of your favorite things? Because you get to eat it. Most of the time, it's going to be something that I've prepared and I know what's in it. You know what, what's in it, what went into it, yeah. Yeah. put it together myself. All right. Let me change the question a little bit now. What are you passionate about? about we all have a lot of favorite things what are you passionate about oh shout it out I'm passionate about seeing the growth you're passionate about seeing the growth in Ayla Why does that why why does that make you passionate? Why why is that a passionate thing for you? Why do you love seeing that? I love her so much. Yeah, you love her so much. Yeah. Also mint chip ice cream. Also mint chip ice cream. Okay, I can get I can get behind that too. You know, we don't have to have, you know, we're not above, we don't all have to have like things that are like super highbrow. Like, we can have very simple passions as well. I know, min, min chip. Yeah, that's up there. Oh, if you, if you do that, then you combine two passions in one. So even better. Even better. Maybe one more. Marcy? Sewing. Yeah, if you don't know, Marcy actually made our Easter uh, banner up here. Why, did, why are you passionate about that? I see it as a gift to my grandma, who was the most important woman in my life. And But I also see it as a gift from God that I can share with others. And it gives me, um, I get the blessings. Cool. As much as I can bless other people, I can get the blessings. So it's not just a blessing that you can pay for, but you, you feel like you've received the blessing. It, it draws at those emotions within those things that we're most passionate about. I have a bag of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if each of you had a little bit more time, and maybe if we were even in a smaller group, just about everybody could come up with something that would not be very difficult to answer either of those questions. 
It would have been different if I told you to tell the person next to you about being passionate about your last visit to the DMV or your recent meeting with a tax accountant. Our passions are evident when we share with others the things that are most near and dear in our hearts, those things that, that get us motivated and moving, sometimes even agitated to a degree. When a person really loves something or someone, they can't help but tell people about it. It just oozes out of them. When we love God and His love gains ground to reign in our life, sharing these things starts to become second nature and life-giving. The Word says, You are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. You are Christ's ambassadors. I encourage you to tell your story about how God has made a difference in your life. If not for you, then who? I'm grateful for the people in my life who did that for me. And I know many of you have shared your stories before. And even with people that you have learned to trust or have a measure of trust with, Sometimes you can even go further and share how your past has been forgiven. Maybe you have a particular way of speaking to other people going through a similar hardship. Let people know how you encountered Jesus and who you are now since he began that remodeling project in you. Just like many of the projects that you have at your house right now or wherever you are, your project is still ongoing as well. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made the one who had no sin to be sin for us. Christ took on all of our sin and our mistakes and our brokenness and nailed it all to the cross. What an act of love to die for us. While we were still sinners, we didn't have to get everything figured out. We didn't have to step through the door. You didn't have to step through the doors of this church with everything sorted out in your life. This is a hospital, not a museum. Thankfully, I'm glad for that. God's love could reign and live through us because Christ died for us. In other words, God's right way fills our empty ways. See, we're also well aware that because we've searched for meaning in so many different ways, when you think of your life before Christ, or perhaps your life right now. We keep searching. We keep trying to find happiness or whatever it is that fills in the blank. And ultimately, all of those things leave us empty. There's an incredible exchange that takes place at the cross of Jesus. That Jesus takes all those empty ways of living or trying to live and finding happiness. And he gives us his right way. He replaces what is missing within us with God's righteousness 
Righteousness is just one of those $20 words that the Bible throws around that says you are approved in the eyes of God. You are received and welcomed and made right. So in Christ, you actually have God's approval, divine approval. His stamp of seal, his stamp of approval, I mean, that you are accepted and loved. I know that some of you need to hear that this morning. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. I know, I'll say amen too. When you put your trust in Christ, God wipes that slate clean. Through the blood of Jesus, God sees you as forgiven. Some of you need to hear that this morning. When we get lost in our head, this simple truth can seem too good to be true. But friends, that is the good news of the gospel. You are forgiven because of God's grace. I was recently reading a story. People always come in and they wonder what the visuals are. And I usually don't say until the end. I was reading the story about how there was a company and they came up with this innovative new cake mix. And it was so easy that they thought anyone could do it because all it said was pour this into a bowl and just add water. And you want to know what happened? It failed miserably. Because people thought it's too good to be true. It's too simple. Can it be that easy? I'm not a baker, so to me that sounds wonderful. Just add water. But this company, what they found when they started talking with people is that all they needed to do was make one change for people to get real comfortable. Now when you buy a cake mix like this, what do you generally have to add? One egg or maybe a little bit of oil. They found that that one change actually changed everything. Sales skyrocketed. People are weird. Yes, amen. We are weird. And suddenly cake mixes were accessible to anyone and people trusted that it was actually going to be okay. It seemed too easy and therefore it must not be trustworthy. Friends, I have found in my past that the truth that God has forgiven me by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus at one point seemed too good to be true and far too simple to trust. And I would hazard a guess that some of you have felt that as well. And sometimes we think we have to add something to it, an egg or a little bit of oil, that we have to add something that is not required or we're trying to earn something that is actually priceless, a kind of divine extra credit. If 100% is good, then 102% must be better. But that's not how God grades. Rather, we are invited to humbly receive the love of God and allow it to reign in our lives. Then and only then will we experience the joy and freedom of new life. That is my great hope for each of you here today. That is my hope for me and for all that you will meet in the coming week. May the power of God's love truly grab a hold of you today. Friends, let's pray. God, we are messy and weird. 
And you take all of that and you accept us as we are. And we've said this before, you also love us too much to leave us that way. So I pray now for this group of people that the transforming power of your love would continue that remodeling project that each person in their own way might see signs that a part of that project is getting worked on and even finishing. That we might see signs of growth. You know, we're in this season of spring right now, Lord, where the, the flowers are popping out. We see green hills. Will you show us that sign of growth in us as well? May that inspire us to continue this walk with you to allow your love to reign over all aspects of us. God, I thank you for this group of people and ask that you bless them richly today and in the days to come. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen, church, as we prepare to go, receive this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Church, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. I look forward to seeing you again.